Here's the question. Uh, what are some of the lessons that to, are to be learned from the Gibeonite deception? And another uh, question that I wanted to combine with this today, and it's at the top of your sermon notes. Just skip over it. I'm going to the Gibeonite one at the bottom section first. But it says, what happened to the other giants in the Old Testament besides Goliath? So um, they actually come up in the same chapter in 2 Samuel as the Gibeonite. So I thought I could try the, tie these two thoughts together. But I want to talk, first of all, about this story that I just read from Joshua chapter 9. And um, their answer to Joshua's question, when he said, why did you do this? And they said, this is why we did this. And I've read and you heard and understand the fact that it was basically a, a trick. It was a lie. They told a lie. They said, we live in a distant country. They didn't live in a distant country. So part of the deception was a lie, but it wasn't a simple lie. It was a very elaborate lie that included costuming and all kinds of stuff to help people believe and be deceived. So they were uh, they they passed a ruse on to them, and uh, they were taken in. And part of uh, the lessons of this story, when I got this question and I said, oh my, All the, for many years I've never really preached from this story because I don't know what to say about it. This is not an easy story to draw uh, moral lessons from for several reasons. One, it's very complicated. When you're in danger, remember the people of, of many people of Europe who hid Jews from the Nazis in World War II and they would come knocking on the door do you have any Jews in your house? And they, for example, one of the most famous stories is, is Corey Ten Boone called The Hiding Place. They deceived them. They had constructed a false wall in their home, and, and it was a similar thing. They said, you know, we're trying to stay alive here. We're trying to help some other people stay alive here. But if we don't do something, they're going to kill us. And so this is not a, an easy circumstance to be in. Um, at all for these for these people where they felt that their uh, answer was best served through uh, deception. They saw, they heard, it says several places in the story that they heard what had already happened. They heard about Egypt. They heard about Jericho and Ai. They heard about Og, <clears throat> king of, of Bashan um, and Sihon. They heard about the things that happened east of the Jordan. And they, they, they saw this evidence, and these people in Gibeon, this one large city, this was a, a city in the central highlands of Israel, on the, in the, in the, it was on a plateau, it was a very large city, and, and they responded. They said, we've got to do something. We, we don't want to just mess around here. These people mean business. They've already slaughtered a number of cities. They're coming our way. And they didn't hesitate, and they didn't make a bunch of excuses. They just got up themselves an idea, and they came. And the idea was, tell a lie, see if they could save their necks. Um, they, they knew that they were targeted, and therefore, they not only used deception, but they used humility. And I give these people a lot of credit for the way they came at it. They said to, they, said to, they didn't just say, hey, we're here from a distant city. They said, we're your servants. They said, whatever you choose to do with us is, is up to you. Um, they said, we seek peace. They came in a very humble way, which is how they got their life spared, actually. 
Um, my only, my only wish, or uh, I guess my only, uh, as, as a Christian looking at the, the issue of honesty and integrity, I wish they had gone about it in some other way where they didn't deceive. I wish they could have, I wish they could have gone, or this would be more what I would look at as a, a moral lesson for myself, uh, as Rahab did in chapter two of Joshua when they came to Jericho. There's a story, you can read it. Rahab took the spies in, and the, the, they had heard also in Israel in, in Jericho just the same news as these people had, so it was very similar. And Rahab said, when she had these spies within the privacy of her own home, we know what's coming. I have nothing to offer you but to ask for your mercy. I plead for the life of myself and my family. And you know... That appeal to mercy carried the day. And those spies said, well, I'll tell you what, if you will take care of us, we're in a hot seat right now. We're in a hot seat. If you'll take care of us, we'll take care of you. So Rahab did very little, but she did lie to her own people when they came looking and said, where are the spies at? Where we know those men were here? And she said, oh, I saw them going over this way. In reality, she had them hidden. So there was deception there, too. But so it's, it's a very hard situation to know what to do when your life is threatened. And if you, use, if you tell the truth, you feel that you're honest, you're, your life may be taken. Um, I do want to stop and say just this one thing about the Israelites. It very specifically says when these people came with their costumes and their fake moldy bread and all this stuff. The Israelites said, hmm... Maybe you're really not from far away. What if you're our neighbors close up? And all they said, they didn't say, we, they didn't say no, yes, or anything. They just said, we're your servants. We're your servants. But the Israelites had had, you know, such good luck. I mean, when they went up the East Coast, this big guy, Og, who was a giant, it says his bed was 13 feet long. Bang! They just slammed him and his tribes into oblivion. Sihon, the same thing. They crossed the Jordan, the city of Jericho just fell down in front of them. They, they slaughtered everybody. They went up to Ai. Like they were, they were just, it, it was like um, ten pins falling in front of a bowling ball. They were on a run. And they knew this was how it was going to be. This is what, and so I, I feel like in that moment when the, when the, when the Gibeonites came and said, yeah, we're looking for a peace treaty. And they had a little bit of suspicion. They said, well, 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 what if you're not who you say you are? But it specifically says they never stopped and prayed. They never sought the guidance of the Lord. And that's why the Gibeonites were able to get away with their, uh, with their ruse. And my thought is this, just simply as what lessons can we learn from this story? You know, as Christians... Uh, this is switching a whole switching scenarios. We're like soldiers taking over the land of Canaan in a sense. We are onward Christian soldiers. We are God's army in the world. We are God's kingdom in, in this world. <clears throat> How very easy it is for us to compromise with worldly culture that comes and says, oh, we're not so bad. We just want a peace treaty. Uh, don't don't expose us. Don't slaughter us. 
Don't badmouth us in the press. We just, we just want you to accept us. Does that not happen? As in a moral realm, as believers, where like Joshua and his team, we get too confident and we don't stop and pray and say, Okay, Lord, I'm in this situation with my, at my job or in my school or in my family, and this is an invitation for me to compromise. And it's a very attractive invitation for me to compromise. And I don't think these people are so bad. I mean, they're showing me how moldy their bread is, and I feel almost sorry for them. And I, I probably should just accept them and not call the truth the truth. That's what happened with Israel. They just, they, they, with Joshua, he was very gullible. And he was, I think, uh, uh, cocky and overconfident and just said, okay, sure. Because they just felt that they could do no wrong at that point, is my, is my, my analogy. And, and so they were fooled because they didn't take the time. And afterwards, then they were discovered and they were made into servants and Joshua was very angry upset and he says he cursed them and he said you're going to always just be a servant but it seems to me like that the Gibeonites had already figured that out and they'd already decided and they didn't have any problem with that and they said okay whatever you want they came there saying I'd rather be a slave than be dead and so that was what they had already uh, decided and and so the story goes that Joshua then even under pressure refused to annihilate these Gibeonite people and he stood up for his promise that he had made to them and, and their, their lives were saved. And actually in the next chapter, Israel allied with them and fought to defend them because some of their fellow Canaanites turned against them because they had not fought against Israel. It's like a soap opera at that point. Um, I, I, I want to just make a couple statements, and, and I don't have time to really dig deep into these, but I, I, I'm trying to think what can I, what can we learn, really, from this story that happened so long ago? And one of the things it seems to me is to realize that though deception, wherever, it, wherever you may use it, may benefit you temporarily, ultimately, it's really not the best. There's got to be a better way. Um, I, you know, I was thinking I was going to say to you that Rahab did not use deception, but she did. <laughs> she did lie to her own people. I, I didn't think through that far enough. When they came questioning her, she, she deceived them. Um, this, is, this is the kind of situation where we need to pray when we're the Gibeonites and we're in such a situ situation. What I wanted to realize, or what I wanted to basically say was, when we deceive our wives or our husbands, when we deceive our coworkers or our bosses, when we deceive our kids or our parents, we may buy ourselves safety for a moment, but we are probably not buying ourselves security for a lifetime. Because there's always a chance that we would be discovered. There's always the chance, as that happened to them in three days, that the that the jig is up. And so deception uh, comes back later. I heard a story about this old guy. He's a Baptist deacon. And he had an old cow he wanted to get rid of. The old cow wasn't doing well anymore. And he wanted to sell this cow. So he 
he advertised this cow, put a pretty hefty price on her, and this guy came checking on the cow, and the Baptist deacon said, she gives four gallons of milk a day, which was, a, which was quite a lie. And, uh, you know, he bragged about this old cow and bragged about her. So the guy said, well, I'll tell you what, that's quite impressive, I'll take her. And uh, told her, the, the, the Baptist deacon told the guy how much money, and, and well, first when the guy was questioning, he said, well, you can trust me, I'm a Baptist deacon, you can trust me. And so then the fellow said, well, I'll tell you what, I'll take her, I'll take the cow. And the, the, the Baptist dude said, okay, here's how much I want. And he said, oh, I don't have any money with me, but I'll get you money. You can trust me. I'm a Presbyterian elder. <laughs> so he let the cow go, and at home that night, he said to his wife, what, what's a Presbyterian elder? And she said, uh, oh, it's pretty much about the same thing as a Baptist deacon. And he said, oh, no, I just lost the cow. <laughs> It'll come back, unfortunately, often, later, and even, it's just not the best way. The best way is to trust God. We'll come back to that in a second. Integrity always pays, in, even though in the short run, it's difficult many times. And the integrity, I'm using that as an illustration from Joshua. Once he made this error, once he made this commitment, and realized later that he had been duped, he stuck by his word. And I have to admire Joshua for that. I, I'm, I'm counseling with a couple right now whose marriage is very, very shaky, and he said to me recently the whole easiest thing to do would be abandon this marriage. It's much harder to keep my promise here than it would be to give up my promise. It would be so simple for me to walk away from this marriage, but I had made a commitment to this woman that I would never do that. And so now he's, he's battling becoming a person of integrity. In the long run, ultimately, that is what is right. That is God's answer. It is the Christian way. And so when people may come to you as they did to Joshua and say, you idiot, you got these people within your grasp. Let's kill them off. He said, no, 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 I made a commitment, I made a promise, and I'm a man of integrity, and to go back on my promise and change my commitment to them would enable me to fulfill what God had given us originally as taking over the land of Canaan, but it would be a lie to these people, and, these, and so it would, be, it would be two wrongs, and that would not make a right. So Joshua honored God and the integrity of his word over the fact that many people told him to just forget what he had promised them. I, I respect that. I think that is, is so, so great. Here's, uh, there are many verses in scripture that tell us Jesus himself said, when you say yes, mean yes, and when you say no, mean no. Let your yes stay yes, and let your no be no. And many places in scripture we're told that the that the commitments that we make, um, we need to honor. That this is the Christian way. It is the way of God in, in an ungodly environment. Here's a, a verse from Proverbs chapter 5 that is, um, says it very well, where he says there in, in, in Proverbs 5, um, 
It's better not to make a promise than to make a promise and then say, I changed my mind or I no longer want to live by my promise. I no longer, I, I, I have, in other words, like Joshua would have done if he had listened to the advice of the people who wanted him to give up and change. And, and Solomon, under the inspiration of God's spirit, later says, don't turn around and say, my vow was a mistake. Think it through ahead of time. Perhaps it was. Perhaps it was a mistake, but don't use that as an excuse to go back on your word, even if your vow was a mistake. And I have had to say that many times to married couples. You may look back on it now and think that your original promise was a mistake. You may say, I married the wrong person. Turn them into the right person. Don't change your mind, and, and, and two wrongs don't make a right. If you become the right person, you can turn them into the right person. I just want to say one thing about the story of the giants. I'm, 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 I'm going to just literally go to the very last point. Uh, this question was, what about the other giants in the Old Testament? There's, there's a little bit of information. I just want to say this. The main story where giants, apart from David and Goliath, where giants were an issue was when the Israelites came to first of all, go into the southern part of the land. They, they were at a place called Kadesh. And Moses sent 12 guys north on a reconnaissance mission. And they came back and said, wow, the land is beautiful, but the people, the warriors are overwhelming. These dudes are big. The walls to their city are high. They're like giants in our eyes. In fact, we look in a mirror and we feel like we're looking at grasshoppers. That's what they said. And I, I just want to say this. This is the issue of, of when, like you remember the story, how those people, those 11 or 10 spies, changed the mind of the whole corporate Israel mentality. And that's why they wandered for 40 years in the wilderness. It wasn't because one of them had lost a nickel and they were looking for it. It was, it was because they didn't trust God in a moment where they were literally confronted with an overwhelming enemy. And this is the case of our lives many, many times, many, many places. We have to say when we are, when we are facing an opponent of great size, we have to say, what is the value of the prize that I want? that I'm after, that I believe in, that I think that God is calling me for. And so the choice becomes for us, are we going to back off because we're intimidated, because this is a big boy in front of me here, and this is, this is a big enemy, this is a big intimidating factor, or are we going to trust God and say, Lord, this is what you called me to do, so I'm not worried about this thing. You'll take care of the giant, like David did with Goliath. And like others in some stories in the Old Testament, there was a man named Rapha. And apparently the genetics from this guy was amazing. And his descendants, many of them were known to be of stupendous height and, and staggering size. And Goliath was one of them, by the way. He was a descendant of Rapha. And the question was just saying, what happened to these guys? Well, they were killed off, many of them. And uh, others just, I suppose, just interbred, disappeared into the realm of history. We don't know anything about them, basically, after these couple stories in the Old Testament. Um, these 
this one clan especially who had this tremendous physical size. Um, they just they just disappeared because they were not friendly towards the true and the living God, and they eventually they died out. Let's pray together for a moment. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, today we realize that in our quest for the land, we will face many situations. In in our quest to follow in your your kingdom. In our daily lives, we'll face giants at times. We will face deception at times. We need to humble ourselves and pray, and we need to trust you and not be contemptible of you and distrustful of you and say, well, I can't do this. It's too much. It's too overwhelming. It's like facing a giant. When you have said, trust me and go forward as I call you and give you opportunity, and I'll take care of the giants. And I'll handle the deceivers. Give us today, we pray, Lord, that kind of, of passion and trust, belief, that says, I'm not concerned about the size. I'm interested in the prize. Give that to us and we will we will, ple- we will please you with our lives. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Can we sing a verse of this song? Oh, Jesus, I've promised to serve you to the end. That's a, that's a, that's a statement of integrity. Serve you to the end. Be, for, be with me. You're my Savior. You're my friend. Just one verse, please. Father, we bless your name, and we believe that you will pour out your blessings upon us, whatever giants we may face, whatever liars or deceivers we may run into, that you will use our lives as we trust you and as we, as we seek to serve you. In Jesus' name, give us safety, peace, and blessing. Through Christ we pray. Amen.